Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright with you this morning. It is good to be with you on this Wednesday, March 2nd. It is Ash Wednesday. It is now the season of Lent. We are beginning today, and so let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of our Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. St. Mary, Blessed Mother, Queen of Peace, pray for us, and St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today is the day that Lent begins. Now, a few things. Let's remember that today is a day not only of abstinence from meat, but a day of fasting. And in fact, our Holy Father has called for us to use this day of fasting as a day of fasting for peace in Ukraine. And so every time you want to grab that snack today, every time you want to break that fast, stop don't ignore it. You know, don't ignore that desire to reach for whatever it is you want to reach to eat. But use it as an invitation to stop and pray. It's it's what I do every Lent. It's what I do every day of fasting. Uh, the, the little prayer I use, Lord, help me to want you more than I want this. You know, and I'm very specific about what the this is. If I want to reach for uh, that leftover piece of king cake, then I say, Lord, help me to want you more than this leftover piece of king cake. It's it's a formula. It works for me. I hope it works for you. If you employ it, I hope you're successful with it. So that's number one. On the show today, we're going to, I mean, it is Lent extraordinaire, I should say, on today's show. We're going to be hearing from Father Jeffrey Kirby about Lenten fasting we're also going to continue our conversation about Lent with Father Wade Menezes. And, um, you know, Father Wade is going to break down the significance of the number 40. How many of us today will go to Mass and will hear one of these two hymns, most likely? Lord, who throughout these 40 days or 40 days and 40 nights? You know, and why, why is Lent 40 days? We're going to get into that. You probably know a little bit of the answer. You might know a lot of the answer. I don't know. But I know that Father Wade knows, and he's going to get into that for us. In addition to today, you know, we're going to be so focused on today, I don't want the rest of the week to sneak up on us. The end of the week, we have perpetual help devotions on—I'm not perpetual help. That was yesterday. On the end of the week, we have First Friday devotions, um, and then on Saturday, we have our First Saturday devotions. Even better in Lent, right? You know, what a great way for those of us who are trying to increase not just our fasting, but our prayer and our almsgiving. This is a great opportunity for us. We, on Friday, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, and pray in honor of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and in reparation for sins against his Sacred Heart. And then on Saturday, we are called to make a good confession, go to Mass and receive Holy Communion, pray the rosary, and then meditate for at least 15 minutes on the mysteries of the rosary. And that is in addition to praying the rosary. So if praying your rosary takes you 15 minutes, that's wonderful. 
but that's not your 15 minutes for the devotion. So it's about a half hour of prayer, and what a great thing it is. You know, as I begin Lent today, one of the things I'm going to be working on is the uh, Peace Through Strength prayer journal from Father Richard Heilman. We talked about it a few weeks ago on the show to help up my, you know, I hate to say up my game because life is not a game. This is not a test, uh, but to really better practice mental prayer in my life. I've got this journal. I've also got a book that I'm very excited about for the season of Lent. It's called The Tears of Christ, Meditations for Lent from St. John Henry Newman. Uh, It's been compiled and edited so that each and every day, starting today with Ash Wednesday, I will read either a different journal reflection, sermon, homily, etc., something from St. John Henry Newman appropriate for that day of Lent. And then I'm going to take my piece through Strayer Priest. Peace Through Strength Journal. That's a mouthful today. And I will journal about what I have read, and I will spend some time just listening to the Lord and in conversation with him. And I love the way the journal is set up. It gives me an opportunity to write down the things that I want to say to God. What is it that I want to say to him? And then to take some time to listen so that I can hear the things that he wants to say to me. And so that's part of what I'm doing this Lent. The other thing I will tell you is I am working on a positive. So in addition to giving things up, I'm working on a positive. And I have chosen to give up a couple of things. I don't want to talk about them all, but already making a difference. I have switched my phone over to grayscale. I took all the colors out of my phone. It's just grayscale. For those of you that use an iPhone, if you go into your settings menu and then display and brightness, I'm sorry, settings and then accessibility, and then there's a thing near the top that says display and text size, you want to click that and then scroll down. And where it says color filters, you click on that and you turn the color filters on and it will turn it to grayscale. And it's um, already it's made my phone less tempting because I'm like, oh, well, that's boring. Set that down. Don't need to be using that. So that's what I'm doing. I hope it makes a difference. I've got some other things, but I want to keep those to myself. Maybe maybe we'll report back on those on a Friday roundup. Let's go now to the weather, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Father Jeffrey Kirby. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. On this Ash Wednesday, today is the feast day of St. Angela of the Cross. Born in Spain in 1846, her baptismal name was Maria and her father, Francesco, and mother, Josefa, had 14 children. Both parents worked at the Trinitarian Monastery where her father was a cook and mother a laundress. When she was 16, Maria took a job at a shoe factory that was run by a very holy woman who made sure her employees read the lives of the saints every day and said the rosary. In her mid-teens, she met Father Jose Torres, who became her spiritual director. Father Torres helped her see the needs of the poor and destitute cholera patients who surrounded them, and Maria began to care for them. At 19, she tried entering the discalced Carmelites, but was not healthy enough. Then a few years later, tried to enter the Daughters of Charity, but was rejected again for the same reason. When she was in her late 20s, Maria was in prayer one day when she had a vision of an empty cross in front of the one Jesus was hanging on and instantly knew the empty cross belonged to her. She and three other women left the shoe shop, formed a new community called the Sisters of the Company of the Cross, and Maria took the name Angela 
of the cross. With Father Torres as their director, Agnes and the sisters lived a contemplative life and cared for the poor. The sisters of the Company of the Cross spread rapidly and Mother Angela would go on to oversee the institution of 23 convents. She died on this day in 1932. St. Angela of the Cross, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed Ash Wednesday. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. On days like today, I think back to my time working with the school kids and, and what we affectionately dubbed our Lent song, Rejoice and Repent, This is Lent. We all know we're sinners, so let's eat some fish for dinner. And uh, here to talk with us about fasting and abstinence and penance today as we begin the season of Lent is Father Jeffrey Kirby. Father, so good to have you with us today. Thank you, Adam. Good to be on the show. Well, let's start here, Father, because these are terms we hear every Lent and we always have to brush up. Uh, fasting, abstinence, and penance. What do these words mean, and, and what are the differences between the three? Yes, yeah, so fasting is abstinence from uh, food, uh, so it's a sustained um, diminishing or avoidance of, of food. So fasting tends to be more um, uh, systematic. Uh, abstinence is something specific, so you know, an abstinence from meat, or an abstinence from soft drinks, or an abstinence from... So it's very targeted towards one particular thing. And then penance covers it all, and that's just that we recognize that we need to change. The Lord calls us to conversion. And the penance is the acknowledgement of our, of our faults, or our selfishness, our sins, in order for us to receive the grace, in order to keep redirecting ourselves to the Lord. So the penance is is accepting that mercy and putting that grace, uh, to you know, fanning that grace to flame, and allowing the Holy Spirit then to kind of transform and convert our hearts even more. This reminds me of, of those lessons we used to get in uh, some of the science classes back in grade school that, you know, all fasting is abstinence, but not all abstinence is fasting. And, and all abstinence is penance, but not all penance is abstinence. So, uh, you know, I, I think of what the bishops put out every year in each diocese, the, the regulations, and between this age and that age, it varies from diocese to diocese. On a day of fasting, two small meals, one large meal. And don't be doing, friends, don't be doing the Lenten algebra. Well, if my large meal is uh, eight plates full, <laughs> as long as my two small meals are only three plates full, uh, that doesn't equate to two large small meals equally my large meal. I'm good to go. It's about withholding that nourishment, literally dying to ourselves uh, that day by not giving our body the nourishment it needs. That is fasting. Now, what days are we called to fast in this season of Lent? Yeah, so you, you can see the kindness of Mother Church, that she's always willing to go to, uh, for lack of a better term, the lowest common denominator, and that the only required fast days for Lent in the Latin rite of the Church is Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. That's it. Two days of fasting. Uh, two now, days I used to dread as a child, but not so much anymore. But go on, Father. Right, right, right. But, and, and, I, and I, when I mentioned that the Church goes to the lowest common denominator, uh, that's the Church being pastoral because, of course, you know, she you know, throws out the net to all. So those who are weak or struggling in faith, those who are strong in faith, and, and everyone in between. But I want to stress with that, Adam, is that those are the required days of fasting. That doesn't mean that those, are only, those have to be the only days of fasting. So those who say, you know, I want to draw close to the Lord, I want to make this a, a really spiritually fruitful Lent, and so on, uh, certainly we could do more. I, I think it's that, Adam. We live in an age where 
uh, these uh, fad diets, and doctors talk more about fasting than priests and the people of God. Well, I want to come back to that, because there's a reason the doctors are talking about fasting, and, and we're going to get into some of those benefits uh, in, in a minute here. But let's talk about abstinence for a second, because that's the other thing we're called to. And and here in the Midwest, I don't know how it is in South Carolina, Father, but here in the Midwest, St. Louis especially, uh, Fridays are synonymous with fish fries. Whether you are Catholic or not, everyone goes to the fish fries on Friday. Everyone has the best fish fry. Uh, just ask the parish. They'll tell you they have the best fish fry. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. Everyone I've gone to has been great. Uh, why do we have the fish fries? Because on Fridays we're called to abstain from meat. But, Father, this brings up a whole other question here. We've got the letter of the law, and, and as you mentioned, we've got the spirit of the law and what we're able to do. I know people who say, you know, abstaining from meat on Friday, not a big deal for me. I don't eat a lot of meat anyway, but I do love fish, so it's not really a penance for me to abstain from meat and eat that fish. Or I know people who say, well, you know, I can't go out for that steak dinner tonight, but there's no reason we can't have the lobster tail and the shrimp and the the seafood buffet and and really fill up. Um, Following the letter of the law, abstaining from meat, sure, I want to talk about the spirit of the law here for a moment. What is the goal for us for abstaining yeah. from meat on Fridays? Yeah, so we, we abstain from meat, first of all, as you were saying earlier, Adam, to really deprive our bodies of something so our body feels that kind of uh, pining or desire for uh, food. And, and that reminds us of our soul's desire and pining for God. So we do this in order to, to, to make things real, <laughs> to let our bodies share in this spiritual yearning we have for God. Also, fasting is very important because it orders all of the created goods and reminds us that God alone is eternal. God alone is worthy of worship. So all things we have in our life, cars, and clothes, and all the things that we value, and sometimes they want to take on more importance than they should, when we fast, we deprive ourselves of, the, of created goods, so this fasting, the, the food becomes almost symbolic of, of all of creation, and we say, I deny all that, and I choose the living God, right? So all created goods are less, are subordinate to Him. So fasting is a powerful spiritual exercise, and, and Adam, the, the, the spiritual masters tell us that Christians should be doing some type of abstinence or fasting or, or some act of penance every day. So I tell my parishioners, if you're sitting down for, for a meal, like just don't have a second portion, or don't have dessert, or don't use salt, or have water instead of another drink, some small sacrifice. We should be doing this every day, and especially every Friday in honor of our Lord's Passion. But then we get to Lent especially, we can step it up. So I was trying to remind the people of God, the minimum is Mother Church being a caring mother, because she's trying to reach everyone. And sometimes there are times when all of us can be weak in faith, and just doing the minimum is is difficult. But there are times when we're just thriving in the spiritual life, and we're cooperating with grace, and and the Holy Spirit is really working in our lives. But then we're called to do more, not simply for ourselves, but then we can offer those extra acts of penance for those believers among us who are struggling. So people sometimes want to criticize Catholics who... You know, are not where they need to be, or do not believe as they should, or in, involve or support things that are contrary to the gospel. And, and my response is, well, how many times have you offered prayers or sacrifices for them? Because our first response as Christians is spiritual. We make a spiritual response. So 
I think we just have to reclaim a life of penance in general. And Lent, as you were saying, Adam, reclaim that spiritual authority and the spiritual call that we receive to, in, in terms of fasting and abstinence. So it sounds like, Father, you know, if, if the abstinence from meat isn't that big of a deal for us, then that becomes the invitation, do something more, then, then, then take it up a level and find something else to abstain from. You know, still abstain from meat, as we're called to do, but then find something else. Or, or, or maybe, you know, if, if you're abstaining from meat, but you're not going to Stations of the Cross on Friday night in the, in the parish church or whatever time they are, then take the time to give up watching TV or going out with friends and get yourself to the Stations of the Cross Friday night or, or pick anything that's good for you, but do something more. Yeah, turn off your phone. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. or, or, or don't watch certain sports events. Or, uh, I, I mean, the, the opportunities for penance uh, by Christian believers are abundant. And, and, and I want to emphasize the point you're making, Adam, that if you know, meat isn't a big deal, I know right now a lot of people for medical reasons are avoiding red meat. And so it, it would not be a penitential act. For them just to avoid meat. And, and again, they should still do so because that's what we do as a community of faith. But I would say to that person, then they are called to do more. And why wouldn't they? Like Fasting, it, it, again, it helps us to put everything in its perspective. It helps us to, to feel that even our body, that, that yearning for God, so for ourselves. And then we can offer that for other believers. I mean, think about that, Adam. We get to heaven. Please, God, we get there. <laughs> we get to heaven. And someone comes up to me and says, remember that Lent? You just knocked it out of the park, that Lent of 2022, and you were just doing all those extra penances? Like, yeah. Like, that gave the grace to the Church that I received that led to my conversion, and that's why I'm here, because of what you did, a fellow believer in the body of Christ. This is real, Adam, and powerful. Indeed. Now, Father, we, we said we want to come back to uh, to fasting, and I'll, I'll testify firsthand here. My doctor said to me, Adam, I want you to eat breakfast. Pretty much first thing when you get up in the morning, I need you to jumpstart your metabolism, as I've been trying to lose some weight. And he said, eat lunch, you know, eat healthy, but eat an early dinner, you know, and, and for us that means I get home from work around three thirty, four o'clock. I try to have dinner on the table by 5, and then he said, after that, shut it off. No more, no no nighttime snacks, no bedtime snacks, um, nothing. That you're going to go a, a good several hours. I know some people that they set up the window, they have 18 hours of fasting yeah. a day and only a six-hour window where they take their meals and, and other forms of uh, food to get that protein, to get that nourishment. And the results, as you said, there's a reason doctors are saying this. It really is a, a great means for those who are able to do it of losing weight in ter- in yeah. conjunction with other physical disciplines. I can yeah, only imagine if it's good for our bodies, how much better it is for our souls, though. Amen, amen. And and, and to, to just realize that, wow, like God calls us to be a people of penance and we fast. Not only can our souls flourish, but our bodies are actually properly functioned. We lose weight, we sleep better, we have less uh, you know, brain fog. Uh, we actually live better. Wow, look at this. The gospel actually works. <laughs> you know? If we do what God's asking, then we actually live more abundantly, you know, and we have more energy or more of ourselves to give to others. I am very glad that, you know, we see an emphasis on intermittent fasting. It concerns me sometimes when that becomes a religion of some, you know, regrettably. But I think when believers take on intermittent fasting, which has its place, 
I'm right now, I'm trying to get to my, my 12 hours, you know, in terms of the intermittent. And then my doctor's pushing me to get to 14 and so on uh, because it works. But to, to then allow that to become also a spiritual exercise. So when I start my intermittent fasting in the evening, that's when I start Vespers. So I pray the evening prayer of the church because I'm thinking, well, if I'm not going to be eating, I'm going to get some spiritual grace from this. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <right. laughs> you know? <laughs> because... You know, yes, I want a healthy body, but but I know that my body will return to the earth, return in glory at the end of time. But right now, I want to get some spiritual graces from this. I want to make sure that this helps me body and soul. So uh, to your point, Adam, and, and I want to emphasize uh, to, to listeners, like, you know, this fasting, like, don't let it just be, you know, for the body. You know, if someone's going for a medical procedure and they have to fast the night before, say a rosary, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet while you're fasting. Like, claim that as a spiritual act as well. The worst thing for me to do, I won't say this is universal for everyone, but the worst thing for me to do is when I'm fasting and I really am hungry, the worst thing is to sit there and do nothing because then all I do is focus on the fact that I am really hungry and I can't eat. So as Father just said, friends, I will jump on the bandwagon and and wholly endorse it. Occupy yourself with good things pray, read scripture, go out. You know, we're called to do fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Maybe that almsgiving isn't just writing a check. It's going out and doing some service, volunteering at the soup kitchen, at the shelter, at the thrift store. You know, uh, we're blessed around us. We have so many St. Vincent de Paul thrift stores to to help those who are in need. Go go spend some time volunteering somewhere. Volunteer at the parish. Go in and occupy yourself with something good, past the time, as they say, Father, the idle hands are the devil's playground, Amen. and isn't that the truth? So I hope that we have brought you all some encouragement today. Um, wherever you're at, strive. You know, I, I think of this, Father, that often in Scriptures we read that Jesus and the apostles withdrew to a place of quiet and prayer, and then Jesus goes a little bit further. And I think that's a great invitation for us that in our prayerful fasting and almsgiving and uh, prayer to to go a little bit further this season of Lent. Father, could I ask you to close our time with a prayer? Yes, definitely. Let, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you call us to the desert in order to speak to us. Our souls, our bodies yearn and pine for you. We desire you. We want to be in your holy fellowship. We ask you to strengthen us, to help us, help us to be a people of penance, to always allow your grace to work in our hearts, that we might turn to you ever more faithfully, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Jeffrey Kirby, always great to talk with you. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. Our catequiz question today on this Ash Wednesday, is there a difference between sanctifying grace and actual grace? Now, I hope you know the answer to this one, because yes, there is a difference. And we turn now to Frank Sheed, who tells us that sanctifying grace is a life in the soul, making it almost a new thing, giving it and its faculties new powers. Uh, Let's be very clear here. Without sanctifying grace, we cannot get to heaven. That's why it's so important that when we find ourselves in a state of mortal sin, cut off from sanctifying grace by our own actions, by our own choices, that we get to that sacrament of reconciliation so quickly, as soon as is reasonably possible. And as uh, we've said before, make an act of contrition immediately and then get to the sacrament as soon as is reasonably possible so that we can be restored to sanctifying grace. So that should we die, we would be able to go to heaven. 
Now, Frank Sheik goes on to say that actual grace is the divine energy setting the soul in motion towards some particular goal otherwise beyond its reach. Sanctifying grace indwells the soul and abides in it, but actual grace does neither. It does not abide. It's transient, like a wind that blows for a while and then is gone. The whole point being to take advantage of it while it blows. Nor does it indwell. It does not live in the soul, but acts upon it in a sense from outside. It sets intellect and will in motion without becoming a permanent quality of either, very much as a wind moves a boat, but does not in any sense become a permanent element in the boat's structure. So that's I, I love that, uh, that description of actual grace, and that helps us understand. Sanctifying grace, we cannot get to heaven without it. But even when we are outside of that state of sanctifying grace, it is possible for actual grace to work like wind blowing the sails of a boat to uh, move us to go towards the confessional. And when we're in that state of sanctifying grace, actual grace can move like that wind to blow us in the direction of something good. So there you have it on our catechist today. And now we'll take a break. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Wednesday morning. It is Ash Wednesday. It's a little bit more of a somber tone for us today, and one that I really am reminding myself, especially in this first hour of the day, to pace myself because we're doing fasting today. And it's, uh, you know, that is not just something I walk into and say, let's fast. It's, I'm prepared for it because it's going to be a challenging day. Now, on this first day of Lent, I also think of the great hymns we sing. Again, we keep the solemn fast 40 days and 40 nights. And it reminds me of the time I worked in the insurance agency and there was a gentleman who would always come in to pay his bill and he'd say, you know, I'm all I'm all about the numbers. There's a number for this. And he would explain the significance behind all of these numbers. I couldn't even keep track of it. Well, I feel like we're going back to those days today, friend, because Father Wade Menezes is back with us again to continue our our conversation on the season of Lent. And I know today, Father, one of the things you're going to bring to us is the significance of that number 40. So good to have you back with us this Wednesday morning. Thank you so much, Adam. Yeah, there's about 11 really prominent truths from both the Old Testament and the New Testament I want to share with our listeners today about the significance of 40, quote, end quote, the actual number 40 and, and what that means for the human person, meaning the image and likeness of God, and some of the, the, the hints that both the Old Testament and the New Testament give. But first, I'd like to just kind of recap our last conversation uh, on just providing a little synopsis of Lent. You know, we said last time we met, Adam, that the, the word Lent comes from the Middle English word Lenten. Uh, and it means springtime, and that's you know that's a beautiful thought because the season's changing, things are getting warmer, and we see new life. Hint, hint, hint in regards to the significance of forty. Uh, it's a new springtime, huh? The Lenten season lasts forty days because Jesus went into the desert for forty days of fasting, meditation, and reflection before beginning his public ministry. We also said last time, Adam, that the Congregation for Divine Worship describes Lent, and I love this. As a time of preparation for Easter, it is a time to hear the Word of God, to convert, to prepare for and remember baptism, to be reconciled with God and one's neighbor, and of more frequent recourse to the arms of Christian penance, which is described as prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Think of that image of Jesus on the cross with both arms and hands wide open. Huh? That's the, the, the arms of Christian penance that we fall into, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Three that Jesus exhibited so well, especially during his three years of ministry, public ministry, but culminating on the cross for us. And these three things, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, the three eminent good works, are precisely what they are known as, the three eminent 
good works. Lent officially begins on Ash Wednesday, Adam, and ends at the beginning of the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, which inaugurates, that liturgy inaugurates the sacred triduum, and traditionally, Sundays are excluded in Lent's 40-day count. So I, I want to comb through what 40 means here, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's basically this, and then I'll give some specific examples. In sacred scripture, the number 40 signifies such things as new life, new growth, transformation, maybe a change from one great task to another great task, etc. It also means... Uh, new birth in and of itself, whether a new psychological birth, the way of looking at things anew, a literal physical birth, and so forth. We'll talk about some specific examples here, both in human life and in sacred scripture, Old and New Testament. So first of all, I'd like to report that the reign of the great flood, the great deluge in Genesis, lasted 40 days and 40 nights, right? Wiped out a sinful world and brought in brand new life, huh? Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare himself to receive the law of God, the Ten Commandments, atop Mount Sinai. The importance of the law, bringing new life to individuals by following the law. How about Moses was atop Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, literally receiving the law. So not only did he fast 40 days and 40 nights to prepare himself to receive the law, once he was atop Mount Sinai, Adam, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights receiving the law. Again, telling us something about the prominence of the law and its role, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, in bringing new life to the individual. How about the fact that the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years after fleeing the Egyptians from their slavery? How about the manna, that mysterious bread-like substance that rained down on the Israelites for 40 years and fed them during their sojourn in the desert to the Promised Land? How about the fact that the prophet Elijah walked 40 days and 40 nights to reach the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, which is the opposite side of Mount Sinai, same mountain but opposite side? How about the fact that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his public ministry? Where? In the desert. How about the fact that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his glorious resurrection from the dead? And here's some of my favorite ones applied to human life. How about the fact that from Christmas Day to the presentation, February 2nd, which officially closes the Christmas season on the old calendar, is 40 days. A lot of Catholic Christians, a lot of Christians don't realize that. From Christmas Day, December 25th, to the presentation, February 2nd, is a 40-day period. How about the fact, Adam, that the human gestation period for new life is around 40 weeks for the human female carrying her baby? And remember, she's not expecting a child during that time. She is already with child. Amen to that. Right, right. And how about the fact that even the seeking of a partial or plenary indulgence has a period of 40 days as the time allotted to make a good and holy confession that is within 20 days before or within 20 days after the spiritual work for the indulgence, partial or plenary, is sought itself. So whatever day the person does the spiritual work for the plenary or partial indulgence, they have within 20 days before that calendar day or within 20 days after that calendar day to go to confession for that same plenary indulgence. But it's understood, of course, that if they're going to go to confession within 20 days after the spiritual work was sought out on a specific calendar day, that they're already uh, morally 
certain that they're in a state of grace on the day that the spiritual work is carried out, meaning no mortal sin, because that mortal sin takes us out of a state of sanctifying grace, and there would be no indulgence gathered that day. But the church gives us 40 days total to fulfill the requirement of confession for the spiritual work itself, for the partial or plenary indulgence. So there's a significance there that we can go within 20 days before, within 20 days after. So a lot of uh, Catholic Christians don't realize that truth either. So that's that's a, a beautiful fact that, that 40 means so many different things. Again, we could say, uh, as I noted earlier, uh, that scripturally speaking, 40 means something. It brings to mind such qualities as repentance or newness or preparation, say, for an important work or task, like with Moses that I quoted. Uh, Self-examination, transformation, or task fulfillment, like with Elijah. How about escape from bondage or slavery, such as to sin? And again, the plenary indulgence uh, releases even us releases us even from temporal punishment due to sin. And, and nourishment and growth, for example, in the spiritual life itself. And finally, personal fulfillment, such as with redemption and salvation, and ultimately, new generation and new life, like with the example of the gestation 40-week period that I gave. This is just fantastic. I love it. You know, and I feel like one of my kids, because you keep saying, how about that? And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, how about that? that? You know, some of these things we gloss over when our only remembrance of the Exodus story involves Charlton Heston and uh, some great cinema from years ago. Why did the Israelites get impatient? You know, when you remember, oh, Moses was up there for 40 days. I would probably, you know, I hate to say it, get a little impatient myself, but this is great significance for us. And it's, you know, the beauty and richness of our faith that there is so much meaning behind all of these things. Absolutely, absolutely. And and they're fed in the spiritual life for us by taking on such uh, additional practices, uh, such as fasting. And the fasting will keep us diligent, the virtue of diligence, in seeing the beauty and truth of these um, truths themselves about the faith and about the significance of 40, so that as we're going through this 40 days spiritual season that we call Lent, ultimately going toward a new springtime uh, in our spiritual lives, spiritually speaking, and literally in, on earth, in, in the world, seeing the new life generate, um, it, it's a beautiful thing to know that Lent is all-encompassing, uh, the positives and the negatives. And that's one of the things I want to talk about now with fasting. First of all, just a little synopsis of fasting. Fasting, we say, is a form of self-deprivation that deepens our appreciation of and longing for the food we really need, right? Spiritual nourishment. Not only the Eucharist, but spiritual practices. Uh, the reason why Christ's disciples do not fast in Matthew 9 is because they have given themselves over to Jesus, who is their food. And that's what we do, right? We fast in order to seek Christ every day, day after day, especially during Lent, but throughout the whole liturgical year, but especially during Lent in a special way when all of this comes into focus, and to desire to know his ways evermore. So we fast so that this Lent, Christ will become our all. So I want to talk about the positives and negatives of fasting. Now, those are philosophical terms here, Adam. So when I say the negatives of fasting, I mean like Father Wade giving up coffee for Lent, or Father Wade giving up ice cream for Lent, 
Or if Father Wade wants to get really, really serious about Lent this year for 2022, Father Wade gives up not only coffee and ice cream for Lent, Father Wade gives up coffee ice cream for Lent, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I mean by negatives. We're we're giving up something, quote, unquote. It's a negative. We're giving it up, okay? We're not going to partake of it. But how about the positives of Lent? In other words, Adam, for Lent, I'm going to dot, dot, dot. That's a positive. That's a philosophical positive of Lent. So Pope Francis said, how about fasting from hurting words and saying kind words? How about fasting from sadness and being filled with gratitude? How about fasting from anger and being filled with patience? Aren't these great? How about fasting from pessimism and being filled with hope? How about fasting from worries and having more trust in God. Think of how the the chaplet of divine mercy ends. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Thus, how about taking on the chaplet of divine mercy every day for Lent? Only a seven-minute prayer, beautiful prayer, uses a regular rosary to pray it. How about fasting from complaints or complaining and contemplating simplicity and, again, more graciousness, gratitude? How about fasting from pressures and being more prayerful by handing those pressures over to prayer? How about fasting from bitterness and filling one's heart with joy? How about fasting from selfishness and being more compassionate toward others? How about fasting from grudges and focusing more on reconciliation and being reconciled to the other? namely God through the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, but with others, maybe a specific person you've had a fallen out with, and you two are still not reconciled by the time Lent begins on Ash Wednesday. How about fasting from words, being verbose, and just focusing on being more silent so that you can listen not only to God, but listening more to others, right? So that's a beautiful thing, and I think Pope Francis hits the nail on the head when he says, let's not only do the traditional negatives, the giving up of this or the giving up of that, the philosophical negatives, but let's work on the philosophical positives. I'm going to fast from the negatives so I can focus on the positive. It's just a, a great take, I think, on Lent, because I think uh, we tend to focus more on the, the spiritual negatives that we're going to do for Lent rather than the spiritual positives. I think it, it really is, again, going back to that via media that we talk about, you know, staying out of the two extremes and right down the middle. I'm going to subtract yeah. this from my life, and that's going to create some room for me to say yes to this. So perhaps I'm going to fast from watching TV during the season of Lent, and that might allow more time to go for a walk with my wife or with our children and spend that time beautifully with them. That's right. And, and during that beautiful time, which may be a, a 20 to 25 minute walk in your neighborhood with your bride and your children, taking seven minutes of it and praying the chaplet while you're walking the sidewalk in your neighborhood. You're not only praying as a family, you're getting exercise in, and also you're witnessing if others happen to walk past you or run past you or bike past you, or maybe they're out in their yard watering some flowers, they're witnessing the chaplet being prayed, which chances are they visually see as a husband and wife with their children. How beautiful is that? 
Another example I like to give is this. Uh, next time you're at you know, your local drugstore or your local convenience store or supermarket, buy a little palm-sized notebook, you know, like the Mead notebook, uh, you know, a little spiral wire binding on, just the one that's palm-sized, and make it your Lenten notebook. And for example, write in it that one of the positives I want to do for Lent in honor of the Trinity, specifically in honor of the Trinity, the three divine persons, I want to consciously with intention, with conscious intention, you might add, give three compliments to three different persons each day that are not fake comments. I'm not talking about false flattery here, Adam. I'm talking about a genuine compliment that you really believe about the person. Maybe it's a clerk that helped you purchase your items because they were running the register at the same store that you bought the notebook in. And they were just so gracious and friendly. And you compliment them on their friendliness as a clerk at the end there of the purchase. And you mean it because you believe they were really, truly friendly. Say, thank you for being so kind. You're just great at your job. So that's one person you've complimented in honor of the Father. Then do a second person in honor of the Son, then a third person in honor of the Holy Trinity. Look, we have 24 hours in the day, right? It's not hard to find a genuine compliment once every eight hours, all right? And I think it can be done because we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and that's why you're doing it in honor of the three divine persons. Again, not a false uh, flattery or a false compliment, but one that's truly genuine. So that's your intention for Lent. That's one of your Lenten resolutions, what are traditionally called not intentions, but Lenten resolutions, uh, is that you you write that down, three sincere compliments a day. But there's all kinds of stuff that the individual can come up with on what they want to do for a positive of Lent, and also as a negative of Lent. I'm not saying to get rid of all the negatives. No, it is good to give up coffee. It is good to give up ice cream. Those things are good. I'm still hesitate, though, on the coffee ice cream. I'm still well, kind of hesitant. Well, Father, <laughs> I would suggest perhaps you could give up your coffee ice cream and send it to me. <laughs> there and, you go. And, and I will enjoy it and compliment you on your kindness and sharing it with me. And, and might I add that your wife and your children will know nothing about it because you want me to you want me to ship it to the Covenant to the Network studio, address. Right? Of course, they're, they're listening right now, so they're, oh, they're, they're right. probably right. salivating and saying, oh, Dad, we'll come visit you at work. Now, Father, I, you know, at the risk of being overly scrupulous, I do want to ask you a question about sure. fasting that you might even get on one of your open line programs as we yeah. get further into the season of Lent. And that is about solemnities, because this year the solemnity of the Annunciation falls, you know, as it always does on March 25th, yeah. which will be a Friday this year. Right. And how are we to approach that? You celebrate it and take another day of the week where you would treat it as though a Friday. Uh, you want to celebrate cum ecclesia, Latin for with the church, and the bride of Christ rejoices with her bridegroom because she is constantly with him. Huh? The church fathers, where there is Christ, there is the church, where there is the church, there is Christ. And we are celebrating the Annunciation on March 25th, exactly nine months to the day before December 25th. Again, that roughly 40-week gestation period, give or take, for the human female, which our Blessed Mother, being a fully human female, had that same gestation amount um, because she carried her baby who had a fully human nature, just like ours in every way but sin. So we celebrate cum ecclesia. You don't put yourself supra ecclesia above the church, nor do you want to be self-loathing and put yourself yourself a sub ecclesia under the church. So super ecclesia, very prideful above the church. Oh, I'm still going to fast on this Friday of March 25th, even though the rest of the church is celebrating. Nor do you want to be self-loathing and be under the church. You want to be cum ecclesia with the church. That said, that said, so you still have your day 
of fasting and abstinence for that week of Lent. Choose another day, maybe the Thursday, the day before, maybe the Saturday, the day after. Remember, traditionally even, the Sundays are not counted during Lent as part of the 40-day proper, right? And every Sunday is a solemnity. A lot of Catholics don't realize that. Every Sunday is a holy day of obligation, not out of fear, but out of love of God. That's true enough, but we forget that every Sunday is a solemnity. Well, if that Friday, the Annunciation, March 25th, nine months before Christmas, is also solemnity, we celebrate that, because if the Sundays aren't traditionally counted in the 40-day count, neither will that Friday the 25th. But to make up for that lost day of fasting and abstaining, you want to take another day of that same week, so you've done it all four and a half to five weeks of Lent. Well, there you have it, friends. Don't be overly scrupulous like Adam Wright sometimes gets. And no, it's a great question. Celebrate with the Church. Great question. And, and, and I'd like to end this segment, Adam, if I may, by reading just three short paragraphs from the USCCB on the fasting and abstaining requirements for Lent and the ages involved. Okay, once one reaches a certain age, one is exempt. And they're still welcome to do it, of course, if their health permits. But I, I just want to end with this. I think it's good to remind everybody. So days of fasting and abstinence and penance from the United States uh, Catholic Conference of Bishops. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are obligatory days of both fasting and abstinence from meat for Catholics, huh? In addition, Fridays during Lent are obligatory days of abstinence, but not necessarily fasting. See, it's only Ash Wednesday and Good Friday that are both fasting and abstinence. The other Fridays of Lent are days of abstinence only, technically speaking, but you're still welcome to fast on those days. All other Fridays of the year, some 45 of them, are to be observed as days of penitential observance in the United States, where you take on something personally for yourself, which can be the fasting and or abstinence for these other 45 Fridays of the year, or it could be something else. Now I'm gonna maybe fast from television or needless use of the internet, unless it's work-related, for example. For members of the Latin Catholic Church, the norms on fasting are obligatory from age 18 until age 59. When fasting, a person is permitted to eat one full meal as well as two smaller meals that together are not equal to the full meal. The norms concerning abstinence from meat are binding upon members of the Latin Catholic Church from age 14 onwards. Members of the Eastern Catholic Churches are to observe the particular law of their own Suri Iuris Church, okay, according to their particular right. And if possible, uh, the fast on Good Friday is continued until the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday night as the Paschal Fast to honor the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus and to prepare ourselves to share more fully and to celebrate more readily his resurrection. So now, there you have it. Now, Father, I'm glad you brought up that last one about continuing that fast to Holy Saturday, because friends, I, I will testify right now, I have done that before, and those have been some of the years where the Easter celebration has had even more joy. I mean, beyond celebrating the basic. Uh, and, and I shouldn't even say basic because it's so overwhelming that Christ would suffer and die for me that I might be with him in heaven one day. But, Father, I remember one particular year I uh, lived by a bakery that had the best donuts, and they were open in the evening. And so I gave up donuts that year for Lent. And driving home from the Easter vigil, I saw that the bakery was open, and that was probably the tastiest donut I you have celebrated ever on had your way in home. my life. You celebrated on your way home. That's pretty awesome. That right. Pretty but awesome. no donuts today. Uh, we're, we're fasting today, friends. So, Father Wade, I want to thank you for this uh, catechesis in the car ride this morning about the season of Lent. Could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer and blessing for our listeners? 
Absolutely. Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, guide us, bless us, protect us always, especially during this beautiful season of Lent that we have just begun together. We ask you to help keep us faithful to our Lenten resolutions, whether phrased in the positive, the doing of something, or phrased in the negative, the giving up of something. Help us to be faithful to these tasks toward all the way to the great celebration of the sacred Triduum and Easter itself. We ask all these good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And as I always end, Adam, St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. Well, friends, uh, you know, we're going to continue our morning here together in just a few moments on Roadmap to Heaven. Uh, you've been listening to Father Wade Menezes. As always, you can hear Father Wade on EWTN's Open Line Tuesday, which we air Tuesday afternoons at 2 p.m. Until next time, Father, you have a blessed Lent. We are looking forward to our next conversation. Friends, we're going to take a break. Stay tuned. Friends, it is Ash Wednesday. It's the official start of Lent today and all week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. This is the topic. Here with another practical encouragement for us is Patty Schneier. All right. Well, during Lent, sometimes we're asked questions by, you know, children. Why do we have to give this up? Sometimes we're asked questions by others of different denominations or faith traditions. And they're like, why do you Catholics do this whole Lent thing? Why are you giving up? You know, we, we have to have a reason for our hope and give a reason and an explanation that is concrete, that is in love. And I think it's important for us to realize and appreciate our own faith in this way. So whenever I'm asked that question, I say, well, you know what? There's strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. And the church gives us everything that we need as individuals, but yes, to do it together. So make your Lent, yes, something individual, but also maybe make your Lent as you are part of a family as well. So again, I'm, I'm speaking right now, particularly to parents with children, that you would all sit down together as a family and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do as an individual, but what are we going to give up as a family? And what are we going to replace it with? You know, when you give up something, maybe replace it. So if you're thinking about maybe television or things like that, then let's replace it with playing games together. Let's replace it with saying a decade of the rosary together. Let's replace it with X, Y, or Z, going outside and taking a walk together. So you want to do something together as a family. Again, strength in numbers. And the reason I say this is we also want to hold each other accountable. Very important. That's to help each other. Help each other with our Lenten resolutions. I want Larry to know what I've given up for Lent so that he can help me because there's going to be moments when I'm weak. And it's not to chastise. No, it's truly to help each other. I want you to succeed. I want you to have a good Lent. Let's do this for God together so we can be encouragement for one another. So today is just all about strength and numbers in your families, in the church together. And it's a way to explain why we do what we do together as the body of Christ, as the family of God, together through Lent. So let's do this together. All right, let's go. It's Lent. It is the time to begin. And Patty, thank you so much for this encouragement to help us start this holy season. Well, that's the show today. A little bit of a long one, and uh, that's all right. It's Ash Wednesday. We're going to we're gonna give up listening to some of our favorite songs and listen to more Roadmap to Heaven, right? The positive and the negative. I don't know if that was your intention, but I know this. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 
Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So as you go about your fasting today, again, remember today we are called to fasting, not just for Ash Wednesday, but also a day of fasting for the intention of peace in Ukraine, for those who have lost their lives in this conflict, for all those who are terribly affected by this conflict. And God knows all of the needs. There's too many for me to name here. Until next time, for Roadmap to Heaven and Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.